0: loved us We love him and we love them those people even our enemies because he first loved us good morning welcome to today's edition that is Tuesday morning of Rogue grace this is peter john corson sharing this time with you whether it's a minute or an hour looking forward to it thank you for tuning in thank you for calling in well not really but appreciate being able to share the word of god with you and not only me, but Scott is here to do the same. Good morning. Good morning, Scooter. <laughs> I was wondering how long that would take to get back. <laughs> I remember that I call you Scooter. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Scooter loves that name, folks. Oh, man. When you see him, you must call him Scooter. Yes. Okay. Please. (laughs) Please, he says. (laughs) Oh, Ananias and Sapphira. Two cool names. Ananias is a name shared with a saint, a godly man who was the first to avail himself to Paul, the apostle, who was at the time Saul. When... Paul was saved by that vision of Jesus Christ. It was Ananias, a man named Ananias, who took him under his roof for those next days. But this is a different Ananias, who was married to Sapphira, another beautiful name. You know that, right? Sapphira was one of the gems described in Exodus when Moses saw a vision of God, of Yahweh, there on Mount Sinai. There was many gems, including the Sapphira. So they got the names, don't they? They got the names and that was the problem. They were pretending to be something they were not. They were all about image. We have to be careful not to simply be all about image. And I know you know that. I'm just talking to myself kind of right now. You know, pretending to be something we're not simply so that we don't stand out in the church amongst believers. But the thing is, I think a lot, you know what? Here's my opinion. This is my opinion now. I think a lot of believers or Christians stop going to church because being a fraud is exhausting. And they were doing it for a year or three or five. And I'm not even blaming them. I'm not casting stones at them. I know the issues. I know how subtle it can be that at church, you have to try to be something you're not in our own thinking all too often. And so we find ourselves not only dying for approval, but lying for approval in so many ways, not being ourselves, not being open. And I'm not angry at people about this. I'm saying I get it. And Ananias and Sapphira were lying to others but not to God in their own self-salvation project. You know, God, you know this. God already knows what you thought about last night. He knows what you did two days ago. He knows the deepest desires of your heart. He knows where you fall short and where you've been hurt. He knows where you are strong and where you are good. You know that God knows you better than you know yourself. So if you come to Applegate Christian Fellowship, Can I give you this encouragement? You don't have to be a phony. It'll just kill (laughs) you like it did Ananias and Sapphira. You don't have to worry about, do you have the proper name or do you fit in? To me, what I love about Monday nights is it's basically a young crowd. And then Wednesday nights is basically an old, I mean, a more mature crowd. (laughs) I love it. But they're all one church. On Sunday, we all get together. My point is you don't have to pretend to be something you're not at ACF. We don't want, we want you to be you. We like the differences and we like the the variety that people bring, that you bring. And there's a lot. I often think about that. It's hard to find any other setting, in my opinion, I'm thinking about, let's say, the amphitheater on a summer Sunday, where you find more diversity of personalities in that large of a group. You won't find it at a concert, because it's people that like that music you won't find it in a a sports arena it's mostly dudes with a few of their chicks you won't find it anywhere but the church in my opinion and so Ananias and Sapphira the story here is they were pretending to be good Don't you ever get tired of pretending to be good? I'm not saying flaunt your sin and go rebel and wig out. But I'm also saying being a fraud, you know this, is exhausting. No need to lie to God or put on an act at church. Because we're all sinners. Saved by Grace.
1: There is a road less traveled that I want to walk upon. It's a road that's been walked before by God's own precious Son. Though His steps were filled with pain, He walked that road for me. He walked it till it ended. Cross on Calvary. The road's
2: not easy. I'm straightening.
0: not your hearts be troubled? Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Home. We're all going to go home. I remember some years ago now, (laughs) I was hanging out in our living room down in SoCal at the time. And into the living room walked my small little daughter at the time, Sadie. I don't know. She must have been, what, seven years old, something like that. And she comes into the living room and she starts hanging out. And I always liked that. So we start messing around a little bit, you know, goofing off and we're there for a while doing just whatever we're doing, just, you know, being dorks basically. And then I said, so Sadie, where's your sister? Bailey, her sister is about a year older than her. And Sadie says, oh yeah. That's why I'm up here. I said, what, what, what do you mean? Why are you up here? Upstairs, you know, where I was. Upstairs, their room was downstairs at the time. She says, oh yeah, that's why I'm up here. I I need to get my sister some toilet paper. (laughs) You mean she, your sister has been waiting for toilet? Yeah, yeah, you better go get the toilet paper. I've heard it said before that family is like toilet paper. You don't know how valuable it is until it is missing. I've heard it said before. I think, in fact, I made up that quote. I'm not sure. But everyone wants a place to call home. You know that old song where everyone knows your name? I want to talk to you about that. No, Jesus talks to us about that. A home where there are familiar sights and sounds, the glow of the fire inside. Well, that's the kind of imagery that he gives when he calls it his father's house. You know, the kind of, isn't that the kind of house you would like to be in? The father's house? That glow, that fire When you walk in, everyone stands up expecting you. You have nothing to prove. You're loved just for who you are. You get to sit down on the couch next to the fire. You think to yourself, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Have you ever had that? That's home. Maybe you haven't. Studies have shown that children who have never had a a good home, have difficulty attaching to anyone or anything. We're all looking for a homeness within us. We're all looking for that. But I think if Jesus is correct, which he is, we're frustrated. We find ourselves homeless here on earth in many ways. Romans chapter 8 goes all into that. That the curse of the fall, Adam and Eve were kicked out. And ever since they were kicked out of home, we have all, in a sense, been wandering. That distance between Egypt, where we're no longer a part of, and the promised land, which we're looking forward to. Not quite home yet, are we? Even when you have the word of God and his spirit and there's that salvation like the world cannot offer, we also realize we're not yet home. C.S. Lewis put it this way, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. He said that, he wrote that because he also writes, quote, creatures are not born with desires unless a satisfaction for those desires exist. Well, has the desire to be home ever been satisfied? For us, we would say as good as life might be at times, as good as God shows us his grace in this life, we're not home yet. Now, Jesus says to those disciples in the text I read from John's gospel, if you really understood heaven, you wouldn't be troubled today. Everything was about to change for these guys, as you know. They were going to forsake Jesus, deny, betray Jesus. And then as the years would go on, they would die for Jesus. And Jesus says, do not be troubled. Remember that song from Kenny Chesney? I bet you do, right? Kenny Chesney's your favorite singer, right? Uh huh. Remember, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. <laughs> it's because we don't really understand what heaven will be like. It's impossible. Imagine you know how it goes. You have your five senses, right? Well, what if you had a hundred senses? I mean, imagine with five senses, we're just missing one, right? A person can't hear or can't see. It it changes, it affects, it transforms life. Well, imagine if you had a hundred senses, that means you are able to grasp, comprehend so much more. Well, I guess that maybe might be one way to describe what heaven holds for us. Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. First, heaven is a place. It really literally is a place. It's the father's house. I love that. He could have used any term to explain what heaven is, but he uses my father's house. I want to go home, don't you? To the father's house. And the Bible says the moment we see him, we will be transformed into his likeness. That's why we'll be able not just to accept each other, but we can look into one another and rejoice and celebrate. We're going to be transformed. So you're not just going to be accepted, but I'm going to, God is, people are going to be able to look into you and celebrate that, believe it or not. So often we don't want people to look into us, do we? But not in heaven. It's not only a place, but it's a prepared place. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Of course, as you may know, he's speaking of the marriage ceremony of that time, of a groom and the bride. That the groom-to-be, after getting permission from her parents would go off to his father's house and build an addition, another house. And when it was complete, at some time she didn't know he would come perhaps in the night and scoop her up as it were, and they would get married. That's what Jesus is referring to here. I go to prepare a place for you. We are the bride. He is the groom. And he could come back at any moment. I'm glad that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. It's not possible to be good enough to prepare your own place. (laughs) But if it is prepared, someone needs to go to unlock that house. In this case, in the Father's house, from the inside. And Jesus is able to do that. Imagine coming to a house that's been built, just finished, just constructed. And you think it's for you. And so you walk up and you grab the door handle to open it up and step inside and the door is locked. That would be a bummer but Jesus unlocks the door from the inside because he has prepared it for you. The place is prepared and the person. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place. The reason why heaven is home is because Jesus is there. He doesn't say, I'll show you the way, I'll point out the truth, I'll give you the blueprint to life. He says, I am the way the truth and the life and he is preparing a place for you well why is he taking so long we might wonder because he's preparing us for the place
1: Your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, my soul loss.
0: Now I will remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. I love that it says, Paul the Apostle writes, that he preached the gospel in which we stand and are being saved. It did not simply save me in 1979 as a three-year-old or save you in 1985 when you were first born again. It saves us every single morning every single day the gospel saves me and you i need the gospel to save me today i don't know about tomorrow i don't know what it holds (laughs) i'm not supposed to meditate on tomorrow i forget about yesterday it's gone it's over but i have today And the gospel, it says, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached. Just today, hold fast to the word that has been preached, the gospel. Well, what about next week? Don't even think about it. Have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not. In vain. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Because Jesus Christ is the I am. Now I know what or who I am, says Paul, says you, says me. My identity comes from his. My life is hidden in him. Look at, consider this. Consider this. If your life is truly hidden in Christ and because he is I am, now you know that you are I am in him. In other words, because he is I am, now you know who you are. You're free to risk, free to succeed, free to love, free to fail. Not purposefully, of course. I'm not saying to make up a goal to fail. I'm saying your success has no bearing, is not a factor toward who you are because now you are in Jesus Christ. That's the claim he makes. Imagine you walk into a Barnes and Noble bookstore and I'm there. You see, I just wrote a book, published a work, and I'm there for a book signing at Barnes and Noble. Not that I've ever done that, but let's just pretend. And there's a line of people there for some reason and... I'm sitting behind the desk. And then all of a sudden, I stand up and I say, The reason I wrote this book, named or called Ultimate Reality, is because I am the ultimate reality. I created your world, I hold the atoms together. I've always existed. Now, if if I made that claim at the Barnes and Noble, I bet most people wouldn't walk away saying, what a great speaker he is. Right? Jesus makes the claim, I am. And it got him crucified, did it not? But do not billions follow after him. As a result, not millions, billions because of the exclusivity of his claim. Look at Jesus says, I am. <laughs> now, when you look at the life and the words of Jesus, you have to note, there's a lot of humility in his words, in his teachings there's tons of humility of course he even says i am lowly and meek there's a lot of humility but get this not a lot of modesty (laughs) a lot of exclusivity He doesn't ever go on to say now there's a divine spark in me but also in us all. No, he's always pushing the envelope saying things like I am. I am the resurrection and the life. See, many others have given to the poor. Others have said love one another. Even Maybe we would say some have laid down their lives for those that they care for, but no one has done what Jesus has, laying down his life and rising again. Jesus is singularly the most impacting human to ever live. And if we have any kind of intellectual integrity, we're going to say, he is, I am. It's interesting, as you know, the distance between the Earth and the Sun, if it were a piece of paper. If you if you said, okay, this piece of paper is the distance between the Earth and the Sun. Just for our galaxy, the diameter would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. <laughs> That's just the size of... Our smaller galaxy, which is one speck of the sand of the seashore, as it were. I'm glad Jesus is the I am. I'm glad he made that ultimate claim that he is the bread of life, the light of the world, because it is his identity his validity, his exclusivity that we count on today. Am I not right?
2: I will wait
3: to see the day
2: of your
3: is
0: Now, this is going to be radical, what I'm about to say, but it doesn't mean that it's untrue, exaggerated, or embellished. What I'm going to say is this, you and I do not have the burden of having to prove our point and make our case. You have no points to prove, no case to make. It's already been proven the case has already been made through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice I love how Jesus interacted with that woman Caught in the very act of adultery, dragged into the courtyard of the temple. And after he writes in the sand, and her accusers drop their rocks from the youngest, pardon me, the oldest, from the oldest to the youngest, Jesus says, Where are your accusers and condemners? I have none. Lord, neither do I condemn you. Jesus, thank you for saying that to her, to us, to me. Thank you for saying, I don't condemn you. And then he says to her, now go your way and sin no more. Notice he did not say to that woman, now sin no more and go your way. No, you're free. Go your way. Enjoy the freedom and sin no more. He first told her, neither do I condemn you. So now go your way. I love that. I'm glad he didn't put her on probation. (laughs) Right? He didn't say, you're off the hook now. But if you sin again, you're going to lose this love. No, he was saying to her, you have this love, so keep away from sin. Oh, yes. Okay, that that works. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. I can work with that, Lord. I can understand that. I can follow that. That is, you're not telling me sin or I'll lose your love. You're saying, I have your love, so keep from sin. Okay, let's start there. Let's do it. Praise the Lord for his beautiful, wonderful grace. He is worthy of our praise. He is a gracious God, just, absolutely. But as Romans 3 says, he has made the justified and the justifier, one. Your love is
4: like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot.
0: Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we had peace with God by being justified by the law, that peace will fluctuate. It will be a relationship of ups and downs but we have been justified by faith. That is not in our work, but in the work of Jesus Christ that has justified you and me. Therefore, we have peace with God. And so today, now that you have this, peace with God, may you also have the peace of God. Because you see, as it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Literally, the translation, as your Bible note might render, is let us have peace with God. So come into that place of peace. Step into the peace of God because you have been justified not by works and not by your behavior or how often you go to church, but by the peace of God that comes through faith. Don't I have a great job? I think I do. I get to share the gospel every single day. Are you jealous? Well, I understand you are. And I want you to understand the reason I have this job is one reason alone. Grace. May that same grace now be extended to you in your job, in your family and in your home. May you receive today the unmerited yet undeniable favor of God. Yep, receive it by faith right now. See, the grace is all there. It's just how much are you going to receive? And how much you receive is based on your faith. And even that though, is a gift that comes from God may he gift you with the faith to receive all that he has for you not tomorrow not yesterday but today and that'll wrap it up for this Tuesday morning of Rogue Grace thank you for tuning in. May the Lord bless you as you think about, consider, meditate on His Word. Lord willing, talk to you tomorrow. Bye.